Hey, y'all. This is Kat Jones, your host. Today is January 20th, 2020. We can't move our headphones or they won't work. And this is Queer All Year. Hey, y'all. What's up? This is Kat Jones. And in case you didn't listen to our intro, this is Queer All Year for January 20th, 2020. I am here with my sound producer and bro, Mick G. You down with LGBT? Yeah, you know me. Alright, so let's talk about social media. We have a Facebook page that you guys should go out and like, Queer All Year. And we also have a Facebook group for that, Queer All Year Fam, where you can interact with us and the rest of your fam and ask questions, give us criticism, just be generally pretty awesome. Um, We are Queer All Year Pod on all the social meds. Like Twitter and Instagram. Those are the only two I know about. Um, We have a Patreon, which has really cool tiers. And we have our first patron, like I keep saying, our cousin Alyssa, who's our favorite. And the best way you can help other than uh, being on the Patreon is to subscribe and rate to the podcast. If you subscribe, it will automatically download and you don't have to go out and search for them. And if you give us a five-star rating, then that boosts us up in the ratings and more people will find us and more people will learn about queer history and we'll just be really, really appreciative of you. So we don't have very many stories today, but at least one of them could be quite long. So we are going to just jump right in. All right, so on this day in history... In 1977, there was a Washington State Supreme Court case which was very historically relevant and possibly upsetting. This story started in 1972 on November 21st when James Gaylord was fired from his job as a teacher at Wilson High School in Tacoma, Washington for being, quote, and admitted homosexual. So the school had learned that he was gay when one of his students tried to end his own life. The student had gone to James for advice because he knew one of James' friends was gay and he assumed that James himself was gay and the student was having trouble reconciling his own sexuality. So He went to him for advice, and it just really escalated, as it often does with people in our community. Um, And, of course, trying to die from a mental illness is illegal. So he was questioned by the police, which is insane. And the police finally got out of him that he had tried to get advice from James because he thought he was gay. So then the vice president went up to him and was like, hey, uh, this student says you're gay. Are you gay? And James was like, yeah, I mean, I am. It's nobody's business, but I figure I'm not going to, like, deny it. You know, I've never told anyone about it, but whatever. So then the school district was like, okay, so, well, then you're fired. So after being fired, he appealed to the school board, and then he lost So he decided to sue them to get his job back, which I find incredible because I would never want to go back to working for that district that snubbed me like that and was horrible. 
but he had no income, no job, and he really loved teaching. So he decided to fight for his civil rights in court, which is another good reason to sue them. Well, he lost that case because the judge ruled that homosexuality was immoral and the district was within its rights to fire James. So, in 1977, the, the appeal finally reached the Washington State Supreme Court, which upheld the firing. And so I enjoy reading court documents, and I dove into this ruling. I'm not going to try and make it really convoluted for you, but boy, did they try to make it convoluted. So the court said the only things it needed to consider in this appeal was whether the lower court made errors in the ruling that there was enough evidence to prove James was guilty of immorality and whether there was enough evidence that being gay compromised his fitness as a teacher. To the first point, the court cited that James had known he was gay for 20 years, exclusively dated other men, and, quote, participated in homosexual acts. The lower court decided that James hid his being gay because he knew it would compromise his employment and his later admission to the vice principal that he was gay was ruled as a confession to, quote, illegal as well as immoral acts because, quote, sexual gratification with a member of one's own sex is implicit in the term homosexual, which was made illegal under the laws against lewdness and sodomy. I don't know why they keep coming back to the word homosexual. It's like they keep having to define it and then try and fit it into the law, which, duh. But at the same time, it's like, sexual gratification is implicit in the term homosexual. And it's like, okay, well, tell me where the law that explicitly says homosexual is, like, not allowed. But no, it's lewdness and sodomy, I guess. Uh, quick note, the law against sodomy was repealed during this court battle, but it wasn't retroactive, meaning it was still applied to James. Also, check out this gem from the actual court documents. Quote, Generally, the fact that sodomy is not a crime no more relieves the conduct of its immoral status than would consent to the crime of incest. You guys, I can't. I know all the time it's co compared to incest and pedophilia, but you guys, I, um, I still, good lord. So the lower court found that by being publicly homosexual, James' ability to teach was impaired. Quote, If Gaylord had not been discharged after he became known as a homosexual, the result would be fear, confusion, suspicion, parental concern, and pressure on the administration by students, parents, and other teachers. Fear, an admission of homophobia, in official court documents at the highest court in the state, only one step down from the highest court in the country. Homophobia, literally in court documents. Just saying. As to the second charge, immorality, the Supreme Court had to admit that the law did not define what immorality actually was, which means they got to decide on their own what it meant. It's kind of like the whole I know it when I see it thing. So... Yeah, they get to decide. To help them in that decision, they had to define homosexuality again so they could determine if it was immoral, which, again, was another word they had to define. They quoted from, and this is in official court documents, people. 
the new Catholic encyclopedia. The new Catholic encyclopedia. They also cited a bunch of medical and psychological texts, but the only text that actually has quotes in the documents is the new Catholic encyclopedia. You guys quote, homosexuality is widely condemned as immoral and was so condemned as immoral during biblical times. Biblical times. This is a Supreme Court in a country which supposedly has the separation of church and state. And yes, I know that's not really the case. I'm not blissfully ignorant, but this is explicitly stated in court documents and I can't. So at least the court ruled that homosexuality isn't a, a disease or necessarily a psychological disorder. I wish you could see how hard I was rolling my eyes. Thanks, Washington. You're a real hero. So anyway, this document is riddled with statements that are so offensive and stupid that it made me laugh just so I didn't puke. In any case, on this date, these raging kumquats upheld the lower court's decision that the termination was legal. Two justices dissented, one of whom wrote some pretty decent stuff in his dissent. So if you like reading court documents as much as I do because you're strange, you can look up James M. Gaylord Appellant v. Tacoma School District Number 10 et al. Respondents, and it's dated January 20th, 1977. The Supreme Court of the United States declined to hear the case, so it never got any further than the Washington Supreme Court. So, fun fact, James, who also goes by Jim, received an apology from the district in 2014. Now, it's not my call to put emotions on him, so I'll quote how he feels about it. It helps put a relatively pleasant end on an unpleasant situation. In his gratefulness to receive an apology, he shows an incredible amount of grace that I can't even hope to achieve. And speaking of hope, our next story is about Obama. Ties in pretty well, huh? So, on January 20th, 2009... After Aretha Franklin sang My Country Tis of Thee in a fabulous Swarovski-studded hat, after Yo-Yo Ma, Itzhak Perlman, Gabriela Montero, and Anthony McGill performed a beautiful composition by John Williams, after celebrities from Tom Hanks to Beyonce took their seats, Barack Obama took his oath of office with his hand on the Bible used at Abraham Lincoln's inauguration. Chief Justice John Roberts messed up the oath, throwing Obama off a bit and adding a bit of schadenfreude to a solemn tradition because we kind of didn't really like John Roberts and that was kind of funny. And he thought he could do it without notes. <laughs> and sure. Obama then delivered, in his unmistakable style of carefully placed pauses and soothing tone, his inaugural address to a crowd of 1.8 million people, including me. It was freezing. Temperatures didn't rise above the mid-20s, but that didn't stop the Lesbian and Gay Band Association from marching in the U.S. Presidential Inaugural Parade, the first LGBT band to march in an inaugural parade. The experience was beautiful and the celebration groundbreaking. I can only imagine marching through those freezing streets of Washington, D.C., knowing you were a historical part of a day that made so much history overall. 
It was a wonderful experience, and I can't say that anything will ever rival it. Now, even though this was a very public piece of history, you yourself are a very private and possibly public piece of history. History needs you. History needs all of us. You are important, and we love you.